I would argue that in any sport, maybe ever, he is the single toughest person to be able to figure out where he stands amongst anyone, in, 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 amongst his peers. On this episode of Against the Grain, we'll look at Todd McShay's mock draft. And we'll look long and hard at the Patriots Super Bowl odds. Are we going to put down some money on them, Mario? I think so. Let's, Let's go. We are cutting against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Now your host for Against the Grain. Against the grain. Here's Andrew Perloff. Welcome to this episode of Against the Grain. I'm Andrew Perloff, producer Mario Miranda here. And Mario, you know why this is one of my favorite times of the year football-wise? Why, Andrew? Tell me. Because I get to watch these bowl games purely from an NFL draft evaluation standpoint. Because let's face it, other than the Final Four, these bowl games mean nothing. I agree. Are you looking? Are you watching like the more obscure games as well, or are you only watching no. the top level? No, no, no. Like, are you watching like the Monarchy Carball or anything like that? Who's in the Monarchy Carball? I don't know, but like a Boise State and like a you know Ball State matchup on a, you know Thursday at five o'clock. Well, if they're good pros in that, the Monarchy Carball is on New Year's Eve. Virginia Tech against Kentucky. Eek. Anything with that? Well, actually, draw you in. Eek. No, that's not really doing it for me. But uh, it is really becoming draft season, especially this week. ESPN, our friends up in Bristol, had Todd McShay doing the rounds with his mock draft. And he came on the Dan Patrick Show, and I'm going to play the clip, but DP asked him a great question about what the Cincinnati Bengals should do. If you're the Bengals, if you're running the Bengals, do you take Joe Burrow or Chase Young? This is a brutal question, and I'm going to give you the honest answer. I would take Chase Young, and it's almost never that I would say that. I, you look at the last the last two years, for example. There are, what, I think eight quarterbacks that were taken in the first round. I think two of them that you feel great about that are going to be really good starters in the league for a long, long time. Chase Young, would it would be one of the biggest shocks of my scouting career 20 years if he didn't turn out to be a very very high-end player and the quarterbacks are at best they're like 40 60 in terms of how they turn out now i know how important they are but the second most important position in in scouting and evaluating is finding the guy that can get after the quarterback and if i know i can have somebody who's as good if not better than the bosa's in Chase Young, I, I just I would have to go in that direction, and I, it goes against what I normally would say, but I I just think that Chase Young is that special. I love what Todd is saying here because the Bengals, if they do draft Joe Burrow, which I kind of expect to happen, I'd mm-hmm. say it's sixty forty. Yep, they don't have anything around them. What you know the the strategy in the NFL is to build around a young cheap quarterback. There's no way in a four year window they're going to build a champion around Joe Burrow. Unless they get an, I don't know, Zach Taylor, you know, I've been very critical of him. I didn't like the way he benched Sandy Dalton. But A.J. Green's probably going to leave, I would imagine. Yeah. And even if he does say he's never healthy, Tyler Eifert's never healthy. So who's Joe Burrow throwing to? Tyler, Tyler Boyd. Boyd, who's a great number two, who just completely got manhandled by the Patriots. Yeah. Auden Tate. <laughs> Auden Tate is good, but he's slow. Yeah. Tyler Boyd's kind of slow, too. There's no burner. Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon, okay, he's had a great second half, yeah. but he is a flawed running back. And then you got John Ross, the speedster out of Washington. You got to count on him. He's never healthy anyway, and he's not a really consistent route runner. And they have no line. 
Their line's terrible. They drafted Jonah Williams. Maybe he'll come back. You know, now that actually we're adding up all these pieces, there are some pieces there. <laughs> but the Bengals' biggest problem for a couple years now has been their defense. Last year, they were on pace to be the worst defense ever. Mm-hmm. This year, they're bad. They have the worst linebacking core you've ever seen. I mean, Lamar Jackson, the second game, runs through them. Their linebackers are so bad. They can't tackle anyone. They can't cover anyone. Uh, they, they've been so toothless on defense. It's unbelievable. Now, I, and the funny thing is people are like, oh, they got some players on defense because Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap are there. Trust me, Mario, I watch all the Bengals games. Their defense is, not only are they bad, they're just sort of, they, they're willing to get pushed around all the time and pushed around hard. So their linebacking core, I'll look at their depth chart here. Nick Vigil, great no effort, but he's yeah. just not good. Jermaine Pratt, uh, nope. you know, you go through here, Sam Hubbard drops. Oh, man, this is a mess. So the Bengals need defense. I mm-hmm. agree. Chase Young, I'm sorry. I feel like he'd just be such a tone setter for that team, kind of like Nick Bosa is with that Niners defense this yeah, year. Yeah, but, I mean, the Niners had pieces in place already. I don't know if he'd be the same, if he'd have that same impact with the Bengals. Yeah, McShay says he's better than both Bosa. Yeah, yeah. The Bosa's are the best two defensive ends in the entire league right now. Mm-hmm. If he's really better than them, how can you let him out of the building? Is, is a pass rusher going to win you a game no. like a quarterback no. is, though? and uh, this goes against everything in my philosophy. It's really because part <laughs> of me just doesn't think Joe Burrow and the Bengals is an easy transition. Okay. I think it's going to be challenging. I think Joe Burrow is really good. I don't know, can he consistently throw the ball downfield? He has a college, and everything's set up really well in LSU. I'm going to say he's a little bit of a system guy because you saw what he did with Joe Brady. I think yeah. he got a lot more comfortable, too. He's older. You know, I'm not going to bet against him because every time I turn on an LSU game, he's just tearing Balling. up. Balling. Oh, my God. But I just feel like that's a tough spot for him. Uh, if the Giants have the number two pick, which isn't guaranteed, then they are so thrilled if it's Chase Young there. If it goes Burrow, Chase Young. Uh, I also heard McShay this week talking about this wide receiver class. Unbelievable. Maybe the best in 25 years. Question is, why don't you just wait on a wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, you can get one later on. Get him in the second round. Yeah. Is it? I mean, you think one's going to fall the second round, though, or they make you all snagged up at the end? There's a couple teams that need wide receivers. No, there's there's probably... Good team. There's probably, I would say, 10 great wide receivers. First round quality wide receivers. Okay. So... 10? I think so. You don't think... uh, You disagree? I don't don't know if there's 10. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm seven, six, seven. So you got... Obviously, you have the three on Alabama. three Alabama. So that's three right there. Chenault. Chenault, obviously. Uh, Obviously, CeeDee Lamb will probably go top 10. That's five. That's five. T. Higgins. T. Higgins, first rounder. Yeah. Uh, Justin Jefferson from LSU. Is he a first round? Well, no, he's a first round quality. Yes, he's a first round quality guy who might go in the second. You got Jalen Rager, who is going to go in the. Uh, Cut. What's going on? What's that? Sorry, I pulled up the draft. Oh. Cut right there. Okay. Okay. You got Justin Jefferson, first round talent. Jalen Rager, TCU. I think he's a first round talent. He's awesome. Pull up a high right reel of that guy. Okay. Uh, you got so many guys. Tyler Johnson, Minnesota. He'll probably go in the second round. And he you could think be so? a first. Oh, he's really good. I like uh, the kid. There's one kid in uh, at Florida State, Tamari Terry. He's a burner. I saw him against BC this year. Not like that's a testament to, uh, you know, that's not going to necessarily translate. I, I don't know. Draft eligible? Yeah. Tamari on Terry. They say he's like a third round guy, but he was, he's really good. Okay. You got uh Michael Pittman Jr., USC. I think yeah. Colin Johnson, Texas. Oh my God. This this draft is But are just... these all first round quality guys? Well, let's say they're 
first three round quality guy. But yeah, there are a lot of these guys. Uh, so let's see what McShay has in his mock draft alone. Okay, so he's got Jerry Judy number three. That's pretty high. That's the highest since the Calvin Skins, Johnson. Right? Yeah, that's the highest since Calvin mm-hmm. Johnson. Then C.D. Lamb at number six, uh, which could really happen. I mean, he's just a complete game changer. Yeah. Uh, who else do you got in here? Then you you fall down to fourteen. T. Higgins. He has going to Browns. That's interesting. It's <laughs> a complicated situation. Yeah. Fifteen. Justin Jefferson. Sixteen. Lavisca Chenault. So in the 16, he's already oh, 18 Henry Ruggs. There's no way Henry Ruggs is going to run a 4-2-8 and has, he can catch. Like, there's no way in today's NFL he's going to fall. He's so valuable. Devontae Smith, you think, goes in the first yes. round? What does he have him? Does he he have, have him I think he has, as I recall, he has something like 30. But let me uh, go down here. Okay, maybe he doesn't have him in this round. Okay, other people have had him between like 25 and 32. He's super fast. Oh, he has him at 26. Okay. Oh, and like there are more guys here that he hasn't even said. So yeah, it's a great wide receiver draft. But we're getting a little distracted from this Bengals situation. My <laughs> point is that man, if the teams that already have quarterbacks can get their hands on Chase Young, to me, it, to me, there's a cliff after Burrow and Young. You know, you really want to be in the top two because I, I honestly, I'm not sure Judy is a home run at number three. How about how about Delpit? No, Delpit. By all I mean accounts, he's a big time safety. They're, they're comparing him to Jamal Adams. I mean, I know there's those LSU ties, but... He's probably the second-best defensive back on that team. Yeah, no, I know. He's he's going to be good. I think Boucher has him at 12. Uh-huh. So, but no, no, we're not talking like elite, elite, like game-changer, like you trade okay. up. So, it, it'll be really interesting to see, too. You know, some people think Justin Herbert's the best quarterback in this draft. Yeah. A lot of people. He's just got a weird personality, is what everyone's yeah, saying. Yeah. So, you're going to get... And also, Tua, people could go move up for Tua. You never know. So. If they think he's going to play, oh, it's going to be great. But uh, I really liked McShay's appearance. I think that the the mock drafters have a decent handle on this year's draft. I don't think it's going to go wildly afar from what McShay has. This is his mock draft 1.0. It's very similar to a lot of others around the web. A lot of guys we know do great mock drafts. I think this year is going to play like this. The big, big issue is where it's two ago. Uh, I, you know, and obviously that has a lot to do with health. So yep. we'll see come combine time what's happening there. Another big story this week uh, we did on the DP show, and I love this, is the updated Super Bowl odds. Uh, Baltimore leading the way, plus 225. I feel like Baltimore feels stronger as a Super Bowl favorite than they have at any point this season because everybody, it's a kind of time of season where everyone falters a little bit. You yep. see bad games, you see clunkers. Baltimore is not having clunkers. Like that no. Cleveland game and that Kansas City game feels like they were years, years ago. ago. Then it's really weird. I don't know why New Orleans is second, plus 550. Uh, because they, isn't the NFC just a crapshoot right now? Yeah. I it's going to come down to a bad call in, <laughs> with the Niners, Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Vikings. They're I, all in there. I still don't, I don't, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't put the Packers in that top class with the what? Seahawks, 49ers, and uh, Saints. Because they've been winning ugly? They've been winning ugly. I think that loss stuck in my mind, too. The one uh, on Monday Night Football against the 49ers where they just got Ooh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers didn't show up. Hey, you know, the 49ers really outplayed the Saints, too. But we're not talking about them because they have to beat Tam- uh, Seattle or they're not going to have the number one seed. You know, this is a San Francisco team that lost to Atlanta. They make some yeah. dumb plays. They do. You know, they, they cost themselves against the Ravens more than the Ravens beat them. And Jimmy G, you don't really know if he's going to... Show up in certain in certain mm, days. He's kind of proven it. He's got to prove last, it. Last he didn't he didn't come up big in that fourth quarter against uh, the Falcons last week. 
There was he yeah. had a couple questions. He was holding the ball. Like, get rid of the ball, dude. He took some really bad sets. That game meant nothing. <laughs> and you know, if you have to beat Seattle anyway. Uh big one, Eagles, Cowboys. You going down uh, to Philly for that one? No, 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 no. I'm staying here. So Just I'm gonna be holidays. out of town. Like, even the Eagles emailed me, like, are you gonna be at this game? I'm like, no. And it kills me. I love Cowboys Eagles. Growing up, it was like the mini regular season Super Bowl because yeah. Everything was about beating the Cowboys, and this is as good a game as you get. Man, I'm a little nervous for my boy Carson Wentz. Uh, he's been, it's like he wakes up in the fourth quarter against these terrible teams, but you cannot fall behind. If you fall behind to the Cowboys and they start running Ezekiel Elliott downhill, it is over. But the odd that really struck me is New England at plus 650. They're third. They're a clear number two, I think. Well, right there with Kansas City in yeah. the AFC. So I want to talk to my buddy, Evan Cohen, who hosts a radio show called The Morning Man on Sirius Radio. Mm-hmm. Really funny. Uh, good friends with our whole crew. He's yeah, guest hosted before. Host. He's uh, hysterically funny. He's a gigantic Miami Heat fan. And for some reason, he's a very big Patriots fan. So he's kind of a front runner. But he has a <laughs> sense of, he has a, a unique sense of where this team is going. So I want to talk to him about that. And I also want his opinion on Stefan Gilmore, Defensive Player of the Year. I am a strong advocate of Gilmore for defensive player. Are you in on that? Oh, yeah. I couldn't believe when we did on the DP show this week that Darrell Revis never won defensive player of the year. He was was a game changer. How often do DBs win defensive player of the year? Never. It's got to be like Troy Palomalu who was doing everything. So it was like a sack machine, I feel. Somebody who's just piling up sacks. Like Jamal Adams, speaking of uh, LSU safeties. but. guy. I like Gilmore. I think he's been awesome. I think he's been manhandling wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, you look at his numbers. And... I think they let him get away with a little bit, but we'll get into that and much more right now with Evan Cohen. Evan, first of all, explain how you became a Miami Heat and New England Patriots fan. Yeah, there's no, there's no selling anybody on this where they're going to be like, oh, wow, that guy, that guy's credible. That guy has any kind of respect <laughs> level. So I'm just going to tell the truth about it because as a front-running piece of crap like I am, at least I own it that way. But here's the God's honest truth. When I grew up in New York, I didn't love the Knicks. For whatever reason, I was never a big Patrick Ewing fan. I never really – and it's not that – I mean, listen, you guys have him on all the time. He's a good guy. And he was a great player. I just never was a big Ewing fan. I was never a big Knicks fan. I moved to Florida in 2003 prior to Dwayne Wade, prior to Shaq, prior to LeBron, prior to Bosch. And when I got to Florida, our station, ESPN West Palm, now 106.3 in Florida – um, the Miami Heat were unbelievable to me. Seriously. Like, they were just unbelievable to me and the station. So I'm like, you know what? I didn't have an NBA team. Mm. I, uh, they're really good to me. Anybody in this business that says they don't have biases for people are just completely lying. Like, if you don't root for Case Keenum the rest of your life, Perloff, you suck, right? Of like, course. Been good to, right. So, and, it, and if Andy Dalton doesn't root for you the rest of your mm. life and his life, he sucks. So, like, I just think, hey, they were really good to me. And then they got really good, and they're fun to watch. With the Patriots, I just – I'm a front-runner with Brady and Belichick. Like, I just oh. love the management. But, no, here's, here's the other thing. I was a Giants fan growing up. I started to hate the Giants during the shocky Tiki Strahan years. And the Giants just gave birth to the Patriots. Like, the Giants' way of Parcells gave birth to the Patriots. So I went with Parcells and Belichick, which makes no sense as a kid. But I always, and and you and I know each other, and you know I think this way, like, I always gravitated towards the management, the structure, and the way in which these teams operate. Like, I have tremendous amount of envy and admiration for the Spurs, for the Warriors. 
I'm just telling you, like, this is the way, what I like. I'm not saying I'm a fan of these teams. I just, like, love reading about them and consuming their stuff because they're so much smarter than, than I will ever be. Do you root for the bad guy in movies? Like, were you, like, a Darth Vader fan? Like, the Spurs, the Patriots, like, these are not fun-loving teams. Like, the Warriors, uh, I don't know, like somebody... You know the '90s Cowboys or something like. There's no fun in any of these teams. Like players no, don't even want to be those places. Here's, I, I kind of like. It's not that I would sit there and watch a Spurs game and like cheer for them. I'm just fascinated in reading about them and learning about them. Like, did you read that Baxter Holmes piece on ESPN about Pop with the wine and the dinner? Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. That? Like that stuff. I could like that's porn to me. Uh. Like I could I could consume that all day long. So it's that kind of stuff that I think about. As to like, it's going to sound stupid. How can I read that and get better and like get our show better and get stuff I do better as a result of that? So it's it, I'm the weirdest sports fan known to my to, to man. People hate me for it, but it's a thing, and I'd rather them hate me than not have an opinion at all. So it's funny you brought up that Tiki Barber Shockey team. We have a running debate here at DP Show, mostly with me and Pauly, about Tiki Barber's Hall of Fame candidacy. So Tiki Barber has Hall of Fame numbers, but that he and that team were so non-threatening. And you know, I follow them closely as an Eagles fan. I don't feel like Tiki was a Hall of Famer because I wasn't super concerned. He was great, but that team just never scared me until the Super Bowl year. So I can't, I can't necessarily put him over that hump because, like you, I just didn't love those like Jim Fossil Giants teams. I agree with you, um, and I love Paulie, but I agree with you on this because I also like. How do you explain that when he leaves, they get significantly better? Yeah, like, locker room. That, like, I mean, how how do you, like, not think about that? And I'm not saying, like, oh, does that mean T. Martin is a college football Hall of Famer because Peyton Manning left? Like, did they, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I'm not saying it's one of those things. It's just, like, Tiki had a lot of chances, and those Giants teams had a lot of chances with a lot of talent to be really good, and they never really got over the hump. Yes, they got to a Super Bowl, got annihilated by the Ravens, but, like, I don't, I don't look at Tiki Barber and say Hall of Famer. I look at Tiki Barber and say, one of the best running backs of his era, era, but not a Hall of Fame running back. And I don't deem that to be insulting. The guy had a phenomenal career, but not a Hall of Fame career. Okay, I'm going another tangent. I yeah. float a theory that Giants receivers play well in New York and then stink elsewhere because Eli throws a catchable ball. And Odell Beckham is the latest in a line that includes Akeem Nix, Mario Manningham, uh, Steve Smith, Victor Cruz, Plaxico to some extent, a little different situation. Uh, actually, that doesn't really count because a dude shot himself. But I, I think, like, I think it, it's a little bit. Odell struggling does not surprise me because when people leave Eli, they they tend to struggle. When they leave Tom Brady, they struggle tremendously. Former Patriots wide receivers are terrible. So, what do you think of that systemy argument? You buying that? Uh, that's a really interesting one that I've never ever thought about. Just side note on the Patriots. Yeah. Up until the last year or two. It's literally anyone that leaves the Patriots yeah. has a worse career. Like, anyone. Uh, yeah. and, and Chandler Jones, you can argue, like, I don't look at him as having a better career in Arizona. I argue as, as better individual numbers. And Akeem Hicks may have better individual numbers in, in Chicago, but not a better overall career since leaving the Pats. Like, there's no good example of when the Pats said goodbye to someone that they got better since leaving the Pats. Anyway, back to your Giants. Wait, Akeem Hicks was a Patriot? I didn't even remember that. Yes. Well, no, he never played a game, I don't believe. I think he was on the team, and they, like, never... He's one of those guys that, like, oh my you know, gosh. never played after that. But they could um, use him, but okay. <laughs> uh, see, I'd argue that, but okay. Um, so, like, here's the thing. I think you, you bring up a really interesting point about a catchable ball, except what happens to all the balls that they don't catch? 
like Eli. It's not like Eli's completion percentage is that unbelievable. Well, they right? go. I mean, they, no, a lot of them are caught by the quarterbacks. <laughs> he has a ton of interceptions too because he puts a lot of air under the ball. He always kind of has. You know, he thro- Eli Manning. Yeah. I I would argue that in any sport, maybe ever, he is the single toughest person to be able to figure out where he stands amongst anyone and in, 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 amongst his peers. In yeah. Sport. Like. And and here's the, the the ultimate thing about is he going to get into the Hall of Fame? Like we've all had the debate a million times. It's an easy answer. The easy answer is yes. And the reason is people vote people into the Hall of Fame because people like Eli Manning, and he's good enough to be considered. He will get into the Hall of Fame. Computers don't people don't vote people into the Hall of Fame. It's not the World Golf Hall of Fame where there's actual statistics. And I look at this year actually sealing Eli Manning's Hall of Fame a, a candidacy. And I know that may sound weird. What? But I'm Explain tell you why. How he handled getting benched will resonate with voters. Yeah. They will have a positive taste in their mouth where I would bet, and I can't stand Philip Rivers the player, I would bet if and when Philip Rivers gets benched, if and when Philip Rivers is asked to not be back with the Chargers, he will scream and yell and he will hurt his candidacy because the people that vote for the Hall of Fame will have a sour taste in their mouth about that man. I don't think they will with Eli Manning. You know, funny thing about Eli, too, he's seventh all-time in passing yards. You know, and everybody else in the top ten is pretty much in the Hall of Fame. So he's got those that, – that's going to factor, too. When you look at it, no one's going to remember that he was bad the last few years. And by the way, the universe yeah. wanted him at 500. There's no way Miami was winning that game. That was like – I compared it to Final Destination on social media. You know, like uh, when – you know that movie where they all have to die? I don't know if you've even seen that. No, I know what you're talking about, yeah. but – by the way, I have my final destination for Eli yeah. is, and it's not legal within this sport, and it's never going to happen, so it's dumb to talk about, but this is what you and I like of these hypotheticals. How great would it be if Tom Coughlin just became the Giants coach for the final two games and he and Eli went out together? <laughs> no, that would be amazing. But he's got to stop at 500. He cannot risk. What if the Eagles beat the Cowboys and lose to the Giants in Week 17? Then that would be the most NFC East story of all time, by the way. Uh by the way, we're, we're Wait, supposed can to. I have, yeah, can I go ask ahead. You an Eagles question. Hit me. More valuable to their strategy and their success, Frank Reich or Doug Peterson? Oh, see, you just happened to catch me on a week where Frank Reich laid an egg big time on Monday night, and I saw these stats on Doug Peterson in big games. The dude wins big games, so I'm going to go Doug Peterson for setting the tone, although. To me, and how do you know it wasn't John Filippo either, who is the, the offensive guy? I, he could have been him too, but I'm going to go he's Doug had, Peterson he's for had San Stops elsewhere, yeah, success, yeah. So I, I would say that it's see to me, Frank Reich is one of the most interesting coaches in the NFL because I secretly think he had a lot to do with what happened with the Eagles and winning a Super Bowl. Yep. And I think the, that everybody was going with the Foles or Wentz argument. I kind of think the Peterson versus Reich argument will become a thing one day. And yes, they, they laid an egg this past week. But yeah. has any team dealt with a more sudden impact change than Andrew Luck retiring two weeks before the season? Began? Oh, of course. I mean, and they're still going to hover around five hundred. Yeah, no, they they're great. And Ballard, their Chris Ballard, their GM is awesome and a great guy. So Wisconsin grad, where I went to school, so I'll throw that in there. Lovely. Uh, you know the thing about Reich. First of all, Reich looks just a li- like he's a very good looking version of me. By the way, I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> He has similar glasses. I love Frank Wait, Larry, now that you bring up looks, we had, Babs and I on our morning show on Sirius, uh, Mad Dog Sports Radio, had an argument the other day. This, you'll, you'll be so into this. Would, Matt, would, would anyone criticize 
the Lions bringing back Matt Patricia if he looked like Cliff Kingsbury? No. That's a brilliant point. I hope that's yours. I haven't mentioned Babs, by the way, yet, and I was hoping he wouldn't come up yet. I'm going to have to put a little asterisk. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put a little asterisk that Babs was mentioned because also, too, I don't want to give him the satisfaction of talking about him on this podcast. But, yeah, well, then we can strike that from the record. I never said that. Wait, wait, wait. But whose theory was it? Was it his theory? That sounds too. Uh, yeah, it was his. Oh, my God. That's such He's a so great smart, theory. Right? It's. You agree, right? It's dead on. Yeah, like, I think that, like, I would bring Matt Patricia back for another year, but I, I really do agree that, like, because he's schlubby, we don't give him the benefit of the doubt, that, like, if he looks, if he, like, Dan's going to get the benefit of the doubt more than Todd would, right? On your yeah. show, if something happened, because <laughs> Dan's in good shape, and I'm not saying Fritzy's in bad shape, because the old school pictures of Fritzy in the tank top, he looks great. He does. And, and Fritzy's got a beautiful family. I was on a flight with him once. I mean, I, I, I was, like, blown away. But, I mean, Dan, just based on appearance, if people didn't know Dan and people didn't know Fritzy, oh, yeah. they give Dan the benefit of the doubt because he looks the part more, right? Absolutely. Like, like Cliff Kingsbury looks the – although I don't know if he looks the coach's part more, but he looks like the part more in general, like the Hollywood leading man. So I just think if, if Matt Patricia's schlubbiness contributes to people's critique of him. So about five years ago, we did a hot guy draft here at the Dan Patrick Show. And Where do I, I sign up for that? I'd love that draft. I've been trying to get a hot guy NFL draft going around the man cave for weeks now. <laughs> and no one could do it. And it was really, it started with just the thought, Matt LaFleur, the Packers coach, is really handsome. Can we just stay? I know you're with me. You're totally, he's your time. No, go. Right? Is that your first pick? We're just going to go. So here's the, here's the criteria. How yeah. deep do you want to go? You want to go six deep, three each? Yeah, yeah, three each. Okay. Oh, okay. well, okay. Yeah, I'm going to go LaFleur number one. All right, so now here's the criteria. Working in or around the NFL, okay? Oh, so it's not a current head coach? Oh, you just want to do coaches? Because I'm saying, like, people who work as NFL analysts on TV, I think you got to bring up also. No, 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 no. I'm not going to let you do that. Because then okay, you're getting to... You're going on the floor one. I'll go... And then people employed by NFL teams currently. Yeah. In any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. Right. Are you going to go less need the Rams GM? Like, what are you talking no, I'm about? Going, I'm going Brady, too. No, 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 no. You can't go NFL. You're not players. Coaches. I'm not okay, doing it. There's a million good-looking players. Cam Newton, have you ever seen his facial structure? It's all right, perfect. Yeah, all right. Well, that I was going to go with Cam Newton as my next pick. Um, all right, you know, I'm really, just to walk everybody through my draft room, I have a, you know, we're thinking a lot about Andy <laughs> Reid right now. We love him. <laughs> the big walrus-looking, uh, you know, look, I'll go, I'll go Kingsbury. It's yeah. a value pick at two. I mean, you didn't take him at one. You could have taken him at one. This may be Durant to yeah. me right now in terms of the hotness drafts. Go ahead. By the way, I have an advantage. I know I'm at a computer looking at a list of coaches. Now, obviously, now we're getting into the McVay territory. I'm not a huge fan of McVay's hair, by the way. And obviously Kyle Shanahan. But I have, I've been eyeing this guy as a prospect for a long time. <laughs> Brian Flores... Uh, Good one. Yeah, he's he is definitely he he's been really mad the second half of the season, which is taken away from him. Like, just relax, dude. You're, you're kind of tanking. You're getting a little too intense. You see what he almost killed that official. But I'm going to go Brian Flores number three. That's an excellent pick. I did not see that coming. Yeah. I like that pick a lot. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of Bruce Arians' belly, but I'm not going to go there. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I I agree with you on McVeigh. I think he's a little overrated. Yeah. The the problem is. Again, I'm getting him at three. I good mean, value. How do I not take it? It's a tremendous value pick, so I'll take him at three. He seems like a good dude, too. Uh, yeah. So now we get into Shanahan. You know, Mike Vrabel, like, he would steal your girlfriend in college. Like, he was like the that. big football player. But it's too obvious. I might go with my doppelganger here, Frank Reich. He's an older gentleman who he goes straight with gray, doesn't dye his hair, because he's Frank Reich. He had the biggest comeback in college football. Or, no, pro football history. 
room with Boomer Esiason. I think I'm going to, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go Frank Reich. Okay. I like that one. Um, all right. Now, I'm thinking West Coast for a few of these here. Yeah. All right. Is this, is this Mr. Irrelevant now? Are we on the last pick? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but just throw out any names. We can just talk about how good looking they are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a part of me that, that wants to take Anthony Lynn yeah. because he's in shape. He's getting a raw deal in, in L.A., and I like how he works the, the silver beard. Like, the silver yeah. beard looks really good on him. But where I'm going to go, because people probably don't realize he is the oldest coach in the NFL. Mm. So with the sixth pick in the hot coach draft, yeah. I will take Pete Carroll. Absolutely. If Just I can look like that dude. Man, it's 70 some odd years old. Oh, he is so good looking. The, the gum chewing is so youthful. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree. I'm down with that. Did we miss anyone here? I'm looking at not, not Gruden. Gruden's too much of a character right now. Yeah. Pat Shermer could walk in this room right now and I probably wouldn't know who he was. No, <laughs> I, yeah, now that we're Giants fans. Uh, obviously, you got a lot of like coach girl, like Fangio and Bill O'Brien and those guys. They have no chance. Yeah. Zach Taylor that. looks like he's 13. Matt Nagy's okay. Yeah, I mean, by the time this pod posted, Zach Taylor may not even be a coach in the NFL. You know, I'm a little jealous. McDermott is one of those guys who can go straight bald with the hair. And now, do you think, I don't know if you've ever seen your head. Like, are you going to be able to do that eventually? Are you going to? Bald? Yeah, I, I can't do nah, it. I don't think so. No, I, I got to keep my hair. It's like, I, I have decent hair. Yeah, you have um, thick you know, hair. I'm getting to like a salt and peppery kind of look. Totally. You know, so. I, I don't know. I, I think I if I can keep it around, I'll keep it. I, I don't see myself. I barely look halfway decent with hair. I can't even imagine me without hair. Not, but, not exactly ideal. But you know what I mean? You can't go like Fritzy where you have it just on the sides like Costanza. You can't do that. I'd rather no, go bald. Also, McDermott, why McDermott is a, it could have been a pick is because a lot of our picks were based on just the face and the hair. Yeah. McDermott is jacked. McDermott's yeah. the guy that you just assume like runs the stairs at four o'clock in the morning at Orchard Park yeah. in a shirt and a t-shirt in twelve degree weather. Absolutely. Um, speaking of big, all right, let's get in the Patriots for a little bit. So yeah. everyone is writing them off. Uh, they're right now. I got Action Network gave me the odds. They're third behind the Ravens, obviously, and the Saints. They're tied for third at plus six fifty with the Niners. I I like that bet because last year they were in the same spot. Nobody was taking them seriously at all. Remember they got they got killed by the Titans one week. I felt like they limped into the playoffs and then just got it together like they always do. So I kind of like I would pick the Ravens over them, but I kind of like the odds of the Patriots. I'm not discounting. Where do you stand? Well, so here was my issues with them this year, and I am just you know a, a hardcore biased over the top fan. Yep. Of theirs. Um. I thought they were too good too soon. That's not that's not their mo for winning championships. Yeah. So here's here's where people believe it or not, with the most scrutinized, dissected team, maybe in the history of the NFL because of the social media era. I think a lot of people get them wrong a lot. Yep. Right. Yep. I like everybody's like, well, Brady had Moss. Brady's never won a Super Bowl with Moss. Well, he had Welker, who was great. Never won a Super Bowl with Welker. Well, he can't win without Gronk. He won literally four Super Bowls. Without Gronk. Four of them, okay? Um, and if you look at it, like, what they were trying to do last year was turn themselves into a team that protected themselves against any possible hypothetical Brady decline. And what I mean by that is, if you notice, like, what the, the Broncos had to become a run-first team because Peyton physically couldn't do it anymore. They didn't want to be, but it worked. And it ended up being really good for them, right? What they were trying to do was establish themselves as a run-first team. 
This is when they had a Pro Bowl caliber center in David Andrews. This is when they had a Pro Bowl fullback in James Devlin. This is when they had the greatest tight end of all time. I don't care about his receptions. I care about his blocking in Rob Gronkowski. And they lost all three of those guys this year. All three of them. Yeah. That is what the issue is with New England. And, and what they have been throughout the course of time is a team that progressively gets better. And what scares me about them this year, and I'm not writing them off by any stretch of the imagination, is that they are progressively getting worse and not getting better. When everybody was talking about them going undefeated early on and that their defense holding everybody under 10 points within the first you know, five, six games of the season, dating back to last year's Super Bowl against the Rams, I got very concerned because I didn't understand how they could get better. And Belichick does not build a team to be really good week one. I don't even think he has any interest in his team hitting the peak in week one because mm-hmm. I think it actually – it actually tires you out if you're that good over a 17-week period and obviously into February most times for them. So my concern was defense was too good early. There was nowhere to go but down. And because of the fact that Brady was going to be relied upon more when he actually wasn't last year, it was going to alter the way that they play. So they have tried little things to get better. They have actually doubled down on special teams which I know people are like, why? Well, they brought in a guy by the name of Justin Bethel, who's a monster on special teams opposite Matt Slater. They are finding things to do mm-hmm. that are the non-sexy things to, in order to win, and it's not exactly working to the way that they wanted it to, but they are still winning games. Like they, There's a chance they finish 13-3 and three in what has been looked at as a terrible season for them, which is funny. And I also am of the belief, and this is where you're going to be like, what? I don't get it. I think they have more than enough at the wide receiver position. I just don't think they're playing that well. I thought against Cincinnati last week, they didn't throw the ball. They just kept throwing the ball into this junky, mixed-up middle. They never threw the ball to a wide receiver downfield, though, which makes, which yeah, that's why I don't get it. Like, it, it seems like they're really limited vertically. You know, why they traded for Sanu, another slow possession receiver, when they could have possibly traded for Emmanuel Sanders, it just no, boggles well, my mind. Easy, I don't get it. But, but there's an easy answer to that. You trade for a slow possession receiver when you realize you can't block. And so you have to get the ball off on a three-step drop versus a five-step drop, and you have to get the ball off quickly. And who's good in the slot taking hits? That's why you do that. Because but, they don't, he doesn't have time to throw. I actually – see, it's funny. Remember, remember years ago, the first Kansas City game where everybody said they were done and then they won the Super Bowl that year against, against Seattle? Yep. I remember the Monday night game. I remember coming on the air the next day. It was 41-14 or whatever it was. I remember coming on the air the next day when everybody's destroying them, and I said, you know, I kind of like what Brandon LaFell did last night. Oh, and, and Bab said to me, what are you talking about? I said, this is what they do. They lose these games to figure out who can be good at the end. And I was right. Brandon LaFell ended up being really good for them last year. Or it's not last year, four years ago, five years ago, whatever it was. There's something that happened in the Cincinnati game that I would keep an eye on that I really wonder if they're going to use. There was one singular play, and that is when they put Brady in a run-pass option with Julian Edelman and James White on either side of them. And I call it a run-pass option just for those listening to visualize it. Obviously, there was no option because Brady was not going to run. It was either it was Edelman and White on either side of them. At that point, the defense doesn't know what the hell is going to go on, where Brady's going to play fake, and how quickly he can get the ball out of his hands. I would keep an eye on whether or not they do their version of an RPO moving forward with those two guys out of the backfield. I love it. I love it. Also, they did, a, uh, they did like an option... What flea flicker? Like it was a short flea flicker. I can't remember. Do you know which play I'm talking about? Yeah, so, I mean, but they they've done that a lot. They love the flea flicker, and the flea flicker is an easy play. 
to run, and it's an easy play to win on because of the fact that if the defense collapses on the running back. But in order to do a flea flicker for them, I actually think they really, really need to make sure that James White becomes their every down back because he's got to be more of a threat than he is because when James White's in the game, they, the defense will automatically assume pass, and when Rex Burkhead or uh, Tony Michelle are in the game, they'd automatically assume run. I, and, I, and it's weird to say, and, I'm, and credit to PFT, um, for, for like doing a bit about this, but I actually think his bit is like football wise, right? Like the fullback matters. They definitely yeah. miss their fullback. Yeah, oh, big PFT's time. amazing in doing that as a bit, but like dorky football people like us who appreciate his bit and actually can talk football, like he can as well. Like, I kind of think he's right. Like they, they need the fullback big time. I mean, look at the, uh, look at the Ravens right now. They're fullback in the hell out of the Niners. Oh yeah, the not, oh when he when you checks out like he's like the everyone's talking about him as an MVP candidate. But uh, wait, by the way, the flea flicker was I think Edelman threw the ball or somebody. It wasn't a flea flicker. I keep it was like a weird option pass because they have Edelman and Sanu both quarterbacks and James they White threw guys. a ball through well, this. Yeah, Jacoby Myers was a quarterback too. It's and unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, they're setting they're setting them up. I so agree. By the way, early season. Do you remember when Brady was suspended and Garoppolo kicked butt the first two games and Brissett won the third game? I totally feel like they ditched the fourth game because Belichick didn't want a winning team because he wanted to be able to yell at guys. I know that's probably not true. But also, I have I've a buddy who said that they threw the games. They played vanilla defense against the Texans, the Ravens, and the Chiefs because they, they didn't want to show anything for the playoffs. Now, you, you were kind I, of I, hinting I, at wait, that. Wait, I buy that. Yeah. I buy that. And, and the reason I buy that is my Greg Popovich theory. Okay? So... When Greg Popovich, back to my like appreciation of the, the coaches, do you remember the first ever true load management game when Greg Popovich sent nobody to, to Miami to play the big three yep. and they were fined $250,000? Everybody was like, oh, they just want to rest their guys. And I took it a totally different way. I took it as there's, there is zero doubt that Miami was going to be in the NBA Finals that year. And in order for San Antonio to beat them, they could not show them anything until game one of the finals. Yeah. And so I, that was how I looked at it. I looked at it as Greg Popovich knows if he gives Coach Bolstra one minute of tape of how Kawhi and Duncan and Parker and Ginobili look against his group that year and do anything that they, were, they could theoretically do in the finals because they stunned them and wiped the floor with them that year, that I thought he had a losing proposition. And that, when I look back on it, that's what I look at. So your friend who had that theory of that New England realizes in order to even have a shot against Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, you have to show them something for the first time in the most meaningful games. And if you do anything in the regular season to even hint at that, you may have a problem in the postseason. I don't think that's unreasonable at all. You know who did think it was unreasonable? Who Dan. did or did not? Who, you know who didn't buy my theory? Dan. He wouldn't buy it at all. I pitched it hard, and I was passionate, just like you were right there. And Dan's like, get out of here. Because it, yeah, he pointed to the fact that Belichick was screaming at his defense on the sidelines in all those games. But Well, but, but you still could try to win with the, with the, whatever yeah. the defense you were going to do. I mean, like, yeah. I don't know. See, that's, I mean, Dan knows a lot more than we do. But that would be a really interesting coach, or a question, excuse me, to a Hall of Fame coach. Did you ever hold something back in the regular season against a specific team for the sole purpose of having it in your back pocket for the postseason? I, you know, to be honest, if people were going to be honest, I think they would. A uh, couple more questions to get, uh, get you out of here. Did you watch Saban Belichick yet? Oh, yeah, of course. I haven't seen it yet. I heard it's awesome. Is it, is it for our listeners, is it worth listening, uh, watching? Yes, and I will tell you, the beginning and the end are my two favorite parts of this. 
and I think, I mean, I don't know how deep you want me to go on this, but basically there, there's the, the way, and I think I could do it this way. The film, the filmmakers, the directors, the producers of this do such a good job of tricking the viewer. What I mean by that is something happens as the movie starts where you just assume it will go in one direction and it goes in completely a different direction. And you sit there and you're like, holy crap, I can't believe I just saw and heard that. Oh, so, my, yeah, I, I can't yeah, wait. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It, it, it's, it's really good. Um, they're genuine friends. They have genuine appreciation of each other. Saban says a few things that I think are kind of veiled shots of some of his ex-assistants. Saban also says a few things that are not veiled shots. They're just complete <laughs> shots at other NFL teams where he's just like, Bill is the only guy who does X, Y, and Z. And it's like, it's not like proprietary information that he's talking about. It's like, nobody calls me. They could just call me and ask. Like, I mean, this part I can ruin because I think it's been in the promos. Like, he talks about how none of the NFL coaches outside of Belichick consistently call to ask about the players they may draft. And he's like, I have the answers. I've been with these guys for four years. You can just ask me the questions so there are no surprises when they get to you. And it's just like... The, the reason that Belichick and Saban, in my opinion, are so good is they just keep everything so simple and black and white. There's no gray mm. area. There's The do your job gets made fun of, and I get it. Like People don't believe in it. Either you have talent, you don't. I understand that. But if talent doesn't know what they're supposed to do, they're not that. They're not going to be that productive. Like We've seen athletes in sports. I always say Lamar Odom is literally the most talented basketball player I've ever seen. He was not the most productive basketball player I've ever seen because he didn't know what to do all the time. And now he may have done that to himself. But like what Belichick and Saban do is, okay, this is what you're doing. These are the two things, and these are the only two things that you need to do during the course of this game. I love it. Hey, I can't. I if I ask you one NBA question, you and I will talk for another forty-five minutes. So I can't do it. You're hosting a lot of NBA radio. I noticed uh, these days. What's yeah, your What's your schedule there? So I do uh, Mad Dogs in the uh, Mad Dogs Sports Radio on Sirius XM in the morning, right. eight to ten a. Morning, I, do, I still do my uh, Florida show in uh, ESPN West Palm, five p to six p every night, and then um, I do NBA radio uh, NBA radio at least once a week on Tuesdays. 10A to 1P, but sometimes I'll do more, and that's on Sirius 207, XM 86, and then Mad Dog's on 82. You still working with Legs, Tim Legler, a little bit? I love Legs. Yeah, I've worked with Legs a bunch. I've been, You know what I've been working with a little bit more recently is um, Wes Wilcox. He's really good. The former Hawks GM. Really oh, good. yeah. Yeah, really good on air. See, you and I probably would like the same kind of guys. Like, I, like I've worked with Ryan McDonough. I've worked with Wes Wilcox. All the former GMs who I could, like, pitch trades to. I get so into <laughs> I know you great. do. But there's this, we really have a good crew of people on, on NBA radio. And obviously, you just sit back and you learn from these guys, these men and women. Tara Kustak is wonderful. She's on there as well with me. So you basically, people will listen to your trade machine talk. That's, uh, that's who you like is at the end of the day. Yes. I mean, yeah. And I, I have to, like, they tell me, like, you know, calm it down a little bit at times with that, but I still love it. Uh, I know. And I love on Morning Man when you're like, when you do, what is it, five bad minutes of basketball talk? Yeah. Yeah. Five bad minutes because I want to go deep on, like, random NBA yeah, yeah. trades. Like, who's going to take Solomon Hill's contract? Yeah, yeah. Nobody. Solomon Hill doesn't even care about that. Yeah. Like, you can get me and Dan in a conversation on that, but the average listener in their car is like, what are you doing? But, uh, uh, Evan, I got to run, but I really appreciate it. Am I going to see you soon when it come up? You haven't been to the new man cave, have you? No, because you, you challenged us to basketball, and then you backed out of the challenge. Oh, guess who's playing in the next season of 3-on-3? Three three? Dan Patrick cool. himself. Oh, really? Yes. So, is this like, does he come back wearing the 4-5? What does he do here? Does he have <laughs> yeah. to wear 45? <laughs> yeah. He's already like three knees in. So, yeah, no, uh, but I, I like he's it. He's got to wear the DP 45. Like, I know that, like, he was 23 for a while. 
he went and played baseball now, and now I think Dan's back. I think he's got to wear the 45. Yeah, I don't know if he's quite as good as when Jordan. He's more like a Wizards, Jordan, to be honest. Wow. No, wow. I mean, he'll say that. He'll wow. say that. We, I was ready to give him three more championships, and you gave him two years. And By the way, okay, you said 45 minutes, but can I just say one thing? Michael Jordan's Wizards years, I didn't even let you answer the question, but Michael Jordan's <laughs> Wizards years are actually underrated. Everybody crushes him on the Wizards. Go look at his numbers. And look at if he didn't get hurt, they would have made the playoffs. Like Michael Jordan was better on the Wizards and a better baseball player than people give him credit for on both of them. Uh, do do miss dunks off the back iron count for three points because he sure had a lot of those in Washington. Look at his numbers, Perloff. Oh come on, yeah I know. Three points a game. Uh, okay, for our NBA talk, which we'll do a couple, three, three topics. Does Luca handle the ball? Is his usage rate too high? Is the big ragu the next star in basketball? And it, am I the only one who loves Zach Levine's game in the entire country? That's all I got for you. But uh, um, well, Zach Levine, I think is is awful in, in in terms of a leading man. Wait, let me go to the first one. So what? Because I missed this. What was the fight you had with Reggie Miller about Luca? So Luca was out, uh, and Porzingis. The ball went through Porzingis, and they killed the Bucks. The box made a run late. So I was thinking, I'm like, well, you know, is Luca taking everyone out of the team? Because everything comes through Luca. It's Harden-esque. It's Russell Westbrook-esque. He has all the points, all the assists. He always dribbles. The Warriors do not ever have that high usage guy. They move the ball around to stress the defense. And I still have never seen a high usage guy lead an NBA team to a title. Even Jordan wasn't that high. So I, I don't know. I feel like Luca is dribbling all the time, shooting. He's amazing. But I don't know if that's a formula. I think he's got to incorporate Porzingis in a different way. So I'm going to leave this conversation with two things that I'm now going to really dive into because of you, to your credit. One, I have to, un- I have to do even further research on this Giants wide receiver space. <laughs> brilliant. And two, I haven't looked at the Luka thought, like the angle of Luka that way, as he's getting this because he's not actually doing it right but he's doing it what's good for him. But the team is winning games, though. And I understand yeah, that that's the thought true. is, well, so are the Rockets, and that he becomes Rockets part two, which is not something you should strive to be. Yeah, well, his numbers, he's identical to Harden. Like, he's a, he's a mini Harden. He gets a ton of free throws. He takes a ton of three-pointers. He's amazing. So it comes off as an insult, but and Harden's amazing, too. But these guys, like, I'm well, really— can I, ask, can I ask an uncomfortable question? Yeah. Then? Do we just assume the white European is a passer more than he actually is? Uh, well, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. It's this misnomer that if you have a ton of assists, then you are a team player. But in my mind, and Russell Westbrook taught me this, a ton of assists means that you're not moving the ball. The ball goes with you, and the last pass goes with you. Where the Warriors, you know, they get and the Spurs, they used to go all around the horn. Everybody touched it. You know, the ball never hit the ground. So that that's a The other thing, Dan won't let me do the Luca Larry Bird um comparison because he thinks it's two white guy, white guy. <laughs> I mean he's kinda right on that. Yeah, he? yeah, he's that's totally cool. right. Yeah. But Luca doesn't dunk. He had three dunks last year. I had stats in pull it. He doesn't dunk and Bird never dunked either. So there is that similar. That, do you think that's a good usage of Stats Inc.'s time to pull how many dunks Luka Doncic had last year? Like, don't they have anything better to do than that? Are you kidding me? Like, you didn't, you weren't curious. If I told you I know how many times Luka dunked last year, you wouldn't want to know, especially you. You would, like, pull over in traffic I mean, to hear that. I, I kind of. I may be more interested in who are the best undrafted hot guys in the uh, coach's <laughs> hotness draft. But, yeah, um, 
I just think that I, I think that you are you are making me look at Luca in a way that I didn't previously. And by the way, I haven't. Like, did, is he Mike? So now, just to do more white guy comparisons, is he Mike Trout? Is he the guy that puts up ridiculous numbers, mm. but his team will never be anything? No, he's James Harden. How about James Harden? James Harden's yeah, averaging. He's not, he's not white. You can't do it, Perloff. <laughs> Also, I need to, James Harden, you got to go lefty, lefty. So, so I don't know. Like, there's a lot of, but no, oh, here's the other thing. Whites and European players are not the same thing. Um, yeah, I mean, that's true. Well, you're, yeah. guys who came up with, the, the reality is guys who came up through Europe, and this is very much Luca, have a specific style, you know, Eurostep, and just you, you learn a different style playing in Europe. I think it's fair to say it's a different style of ball. That's not like a stereotype, right? No, I like this, but like the stereotype of the European style, which is yeah. ball movement, passing, basically soccer, I like better than, than the pounding the rock in isolation like James Harden. Yeah. Like the reason I liked watching the Warriors so much and liked watching the Spurs and when the Heat were at their best, like with, with the big three, is like they would just move the ball and it was fun to watch. Yeah, I see, this is what I, I said. We should not it's talk why, NBA. It's women, it's, by the way, it's why women's basketball is in terms of like if you're teaching a young kid how to play ball watch women's basketball not men's basketball it's way more relatable like they play the game the right way to their credit to all the women in the WNBA yeah and also their their form on their shot is awesome I totally agree with that all right we can't do NBA we gotta stop we we just because we will not stop for three hours it's your podcast I bring it up yeah Mario's giving me Mario our producer here have you met Mario by the way yes I believe so. Yeah, I don't think he, he's saying you haven't. He's like, oh, maybe I talked to him. I, yeah. did I talk? I think I talked to him yeah. down the line. He was remote York. when you were guest yeah. hosting, but yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a fan. We're all fans, and I really appreciate your time. And we'll uh, we'll get you. You know, stay loose, man, because we're gonna call you up to the court soon, any day now. I'm ready when you are. Awesome. Thanks, Evan. Thank you. Well, that's not what you expected, is it, Mario? It's a wild scene. <laughs> that is a wild scene. Did uh, did you stay with Evan the whole time? Anything you disagree with? Um, he lost me when we're like breaking down Brandon LaFell and all that stuff. Absolutely, I totally know what he means. Yeah, I mean, he he lost me there, but for the most part, yeah, he I, I agree with a lot of stuff he said. There seems to be this weird thing where Belichick lo- learns from a loss in a way other coaches don't. Okay. I think that's what he's getting, and he's the greatest coach ever. So, yeah, I mean, you can't question it. What, so what? give me a couple predictions from you. Bills, Patriots this weekend? Patriots. Uh, Eagles, Cowboys. Eagles. I'm going to go Eagles. I'm going Eagles, too, at home. This is going to be Carson Wentz's shining moment. He needs this bad. Yeah. I, I mean, Miles Sanders can show up. He can't fumble the ball early in the game. He's got to hold that ball. They need to play ball. a perfect game. They need to play perfect early because... They cannot unleash the hounds in Ezekiel Elliott and just like start running and get that offensive line feeling good against the Eagles. No, the Eagles will not hold up. Who was Jaws today? I mean, yeah. the the Eagles invest so much money into that you know um, defensive line. They got to play well, right? This absolutely. Is the and as Jaws pointed out, Ezekiel Elliott should pay taxes on the Eagles because he absolutely owns them. <laughs> yeah, I actually thought of that line last night. I've been waiting for an opportunity to use it. I appreciate. it. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if I don't talk to you. Have a Merry Christmas. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Uh, I'm headed to Boston. Where are you headed, Mario? I'm going I'm going to stay in Connecticut for a couple days, and then I'm going to Naples, Florida. Oh, awesome. A couple days in Naples, a couple days in Miami. I was in Sanibel Island recently. It's, in, is it it's right near Naples. You fly into Naples. Oh, really? Yeah. You, you know, you'll be the only person under 60 in that entire city. But... Really? Oh, yeah. Don't expect a late night out in Naples. No. Yeah. Darn. <laughs> I'm going to visit my, we're going to see my uh, dad's sister, which she's not old, but they live in uh, 
They live in Naples. I thought I was expecting a little bit of fun over there. No. 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 Maybe we. Well, you just ruined my vacation. Yeah. yeah. All right, everyone, have a great holiday, and we'll talk soon.